This is a podcast about the manosphere, so it may contain references to extremist misogyny and violence, and it will definitely contain lots of swears. This is a podcast about the manosphere, so it may contain references to extremist misogyny and violence, and it will definitely contain lots of swears. Hey, Dan, since the Me Too movement, did you know that false accusations against men are really common? Do you know what? I I can't even do this one as a question. Hello and welcome to Manosphere Debunked, the podcast where we take the Manosphere to task about all the misinformation that they try to spread. I am Dan, the narcissist psychologist on Instagram. And I am Aileen at Tinder Translators on Instagram. And uh, yeah, it's, this is a bit of an impromptu one this week. Um, wasn't what we were planning. Go for it, Dan. Uh, yeah, no, so you're quite right. So this... Uh, this podcast episode obviously is within the context of Russell Brand, comedian, actor, and now some kind of uh, self-help spiritual guru. Prick, yeah. Conspiracy theorist, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, who's recently been accused of sexual violence, particularly sexual assault, abuse, and rape um, of four women over a seven-year period at the heart of his fame. One of, one of whom was 16 at the time um, and when he was 30 years old, I think. Mm. But we're not here to talk about Russell Brand, Aileen, um, but rather... Oh, no, I was so looking forward to it. <laughs> but rather, we're here to talk about the reaction to these allegations from some corners of the internet. Um, because I don't know if you've noticed, and you know, you're know you fairly astute and well-read and all that kind of stuff, but... Oh, golly. <laughs> <laughs> but there is a pattern in that every time a high-profile, powerful male figure of some kind is accused of sexual violence, some men take to the streets, or aka Twitter, <laughs> to declare that these kinds of allegations can happen to anyone, particularly since the Me Too movement, and that women these days are just claiming false reports of sexual assault and rape left, right and centre, and that no man is safe from this. Yeah, and it's not just men either. <laughs> There's quite a lot of women doing this too. Absolutely, you're right. And you you sent me a, um, a screenshot of a tweet, didn't you? Do you want yeah, to read that one um, out? It's from... Pearl Davis, uh, she is a, well, she's a misogyny grifter, a, a female misogyny grifter. She's uh, at Just Pearly Things. She's got a YouTube channel. She makes a lot of money out of saying misogynistic stuff. Um, good for her. Bad for everyone else, but good for her. And she generates a lot of um, quite strong emotion in me, particularly. Mm. I'm not I'm sure she does in you <laughs> as well. Yeah, she's a fucking prick. Um, I'll go on the record and say that. Anyway, she said this on Twitter after the Russell Brand allegations. Men lie to get sex. By the way, which is coercion and not okay. But anyway, she didn't write that bit. She just wrote, men lie to get sex. Women lie to get attention. Men will say they're a millionaire to get sex. Women will say they are sexually assaulted by a millionaire to get attention. Which just in itself is ridiculous because what kind of attention do women historically get when they make these kind of claims? It's not 
it's not fame and fortune. Yeah, famously, it's a really great career move. You know, it's like nobody's doxing you or harassing you if you do this kind of thing. You know, you don't have to move or go and live with your friends or anything like that for a bit whilst the furore calms down. You know, you don't have to remain anonymous for fear of backlash, for example. It's just really great when you accuse a man, a famous and well-loved man of historical sex offences generally. That's what I hear. That's what all the cool kids are doing. Yeah, it usually works out really well for women. Yeah, what what attention? These people are anonymous. Mm. <laughs> like people say about people do it for money as well, and it's like, what money? Yeah, like, what money do they get what out of it? Talking yeah. about. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think it's also sad that she thinks that men like she's just like men lie to get sex. I'm like, uh I hate to say this, but not all men, Pearl. <laughs> mm. But yes, so there's obviously women that um, have reacted in this way. But then on Twitter as well, there was a particular tweet which read, blokes, this Russell Brand stuff could happen to any of us. And apparently it went viral. And interestingly enough, it was posted by somebody called Russell Simmons, who's a 51-year-old hospital worker. And he's... Yeah, there's a famous Russell Simmons as well. Is there? Oh. So yeah, so this is reported in the Basingstoke Gazette that his tweet went viral and then the hospital trust that he works for investigated the tweet and they then found that he sort of has a whole host of like really offensive uh, content on social media. So yeah, so that's just like a weird side note, but it's just, Mm -hmm. but but I guess it's indicative of the fact that um, when these type of things happen, certain people with certain attitudes about sexual relationships with women will sort of state that you can't do anything with women and that and that look women will start to lay false allegations against men for exactly the mm-hmm. reasons that we've just said mm-hmm. now this narrative around false allegations and the way in which people react particularly post me too sort of tends to give the indication that false allegations made by women against men is really common and that it's actually something that men really need to be concerned about. Now, I'd Mm -hmm. like to caveat this episode right at the start to say that I'm aware that false allegations do happen and men do experience this and actually there can be quite significant consequences for men. We're not here to dispute that false allegations occur. I guess what we're trying to unpick and think about is does the moral panic and the social anxiety that exists about false allegations match the actual data and the Mm -hmm. frequency with which it occurs, which hopefully by the end of this episode, you'll realize it doesn't. Okay. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Okay. Mm -hmm. Also just to say, this was researched in just a couple of days. So there may be things that I have missed, um, but what I've found seems to be the most common, I guess, statistics or things that are talked about within the within this discussion. Mm-hmm. So from an article titled, uh, Here's the Truth About False Accusations of Sexual Violence by Lisa Lazard, who is a senior lecturer in psychology from the Open University. So in, in this article, which was written in 2017, she writes that studies consistently show that in Europe and the US, of all rape allegations that are made, 
between 2 and 10% of those are false reports, which is quite a small number. And in the UK, this mm-hmm. number ranges from between 3 to 4%, which again is a smaller number still. Mm-hmm. But also, like, how does how is that measured? Well, <laughs> there we go. This is where things get um, quite tricky. The thing about this is that these figures often include police reports that are recorded as no crime or unfounded due to a lack of evidence to prove the allegation. And I guess it's obviously important to note that there's a big difference between a report that can't be proven and a false report because Mm -hmm. a false report or a false allegation is an allegation of sexual assault or rape or abuse that is found or proven to be false. So the the data gets muddied because police will often record allegations with no crime in the sense that... They're not going to try and prosecute it. Well, not prosecute, that's, well, that's CPS, isn't it? But Yeah, but, but yeah. no, not, not necessarily even that. It says false allegations have also been conflated with other kinds of sexual violence complaints that have been logged as no crime. For example, sometimes people contact the police because they are worried that a crime may have been committed. Sometimes these concerns are raised with the police by a third party so say for example a friend relative or partner and sometimes people contact the police because they have no memory of a period of time and are worried that something may have been done to them in that period of time so what then happens is for example people may think that something has happened to them so they might go report it to the police and in the cases in the case of sort of sexual assault or sexual violence what might happen is that they might undergo a medical examination or they might take a couple of days and then realize that actually nothing happened or they're not quite sure and what they will do is they'll then go back to the police and they'll retract their statements mm-hmm. and because of that it's then recorded as no crime or what might happen is that the police might look into it a little bit more and oftentimes the police will make judgments about whether something is a false allegation or not based on their mm. interpretation of the situation the famously trustworthy police the famously <laughs> non-misogynistic police yeah so um something that could be recorded or interpreted as a, a false allegation could just be like a police officer's judgment call rather than somebody's gone oh actually i made this up yeah or the police have like investigated it and found out and said no actually you've lied so therefore this is a false allegation and in those instances i'd imagine that they'd charge them with that mm-hmm. so one of so one of the other confounding things is that when the police make a determination as to whether something is a, a false allegation um they'll often this is quite um disheartening is that they'll often mm-hmm. um take into account uh, somebody's mental health, whether alcohol or drugs were you involved, whether there were previous allegations or a previous relationship between the alleged victim and the alleged perpetrator, um, they those things have often played a significant role in the de- in the decisions as to whether the police designate a case of uh, a false allegation. So what they do is what? they, I, yeah, go on, tell me. I don't. I'm confused by this. So sorry, what they do is they make assumptions about complainers' credibility based on these various factors. So say, for oh, example... Oh, fuck's sake. Yeah, I know. It's, it's grim. It's grim. So if somebody does make a complaint and there's, you know, questions about somebody's mental health, whether they've had been using drugs or alcohol, if they, like as I say, if they've been in a relationship with somebody or if there's been prior allegations made, the police tend to be more likely to put something down as a false allegation rather than putting it down as, as something else. I mean, that's just mad. Like, low, yeah. aren't they like vulnerabilities to yeah. assault? Most of those things, like, it's it's maddening. 
um, yeah, no, it is it is infuriating to to read and to listen to. So the article goes on to say that assumptions made about complainants' credibility very much feed into this process, and it's not only in the courts that prejudicial attitudes towards survivors which obstruct their sort of pursuit of justice can occur. These kind of things can prevent these kind of allegations making it to the court in the first place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I guess that feeds into, you know, the idea as to why somebody might make false allegations, along with the idea that men should be worried that women at any time can make an allegation against them, which would, in their view, be false. There's often a narrative that women do this with malicious malicious intent, like they, they're out to get revenge, or as you highlighted in your earlier tweets, that they, um, they're trying to get money or fame or attention or something like that. Mm-hmm. But actually... Or they regret sex, that's yeah. another one, which is like Clementine Ford said this to me actually once uh, at the you vastly underestimate how much sex women regret if you think that we report everything every every time as rape. Yeah. Um, but actually, you know, there's that's not just the reason why women may sort of make a report that could turn out to be, mm-hmm. again, I use the I put false allegation in inverted commas. Sometimes people can be uncertain as to whether the event the sexual relationship that they had with somebody may have fallen into like some kind of gray area and they're a mm-hmm. bit concerned that something has happened. So they might not necessarily know the law, but they want to go and check out and they want to go and say that this happened. And then that gets then registered as like a false allegation. So uh, I guess it's the idea that, you know, not everything is done maliciously. Yeah. I mean, I can't see a lot of women doing that, to be honest, not with, with the police. I mean, maybe they do. I, I'm just surprised that that happens. Yeah, because mo- even when women know they've been raped, that mostly they don't go to the police. So exactly, um, you know, p- particularly particularly now with the idea that the conviction rate for rape being so unsuccessful, it just is you know mm-hmm. a natural a natural deterrent for women to even want to go and report that uh, to the police. So then, to answer your question about how are things measured. It's really hard to actually get a definitive number because how people interpret a false allegation and what the police record and what we, or what people will go and report, um, like it's not it's not fully understood. I mean, it should be fully understood because mm-hmm. again, as, as I said at the start, false accusation of rape is when an allegation is found to be to be false, to not be true, that the evidence supports the fact that it didn't happen. What it sounds like is someone lied about it. Yeah. But it's actually much more complex than that. I mean, you know, I'm sure, like, and again, there's going to be some people in the world who who lie about crimes, but... Yeah, exactly. But the one statistic that I have managed to find that seems to be drawn upon quite a lot that actually looked at the the number of actual verified false allegations that were confirmed to be false and obviously then treated as such was some research done by the CPS, so the Criminal Prosecution Service, in a report in 2013. So the report showed that over a 17-month period, there were 5,651 prosecutions for rape. Um, and during that same period, there were 35 prosecutions for making false allegations of rape now i don't know how good your maths is but do you know what that is in terms of percentage what five thousand about what did you say about five thousand five thousand six hundred and fifty one and then thirty five right and then thirty five so like i don't know 0.6 percent 
You are very good at maths. Yeah, that's 0.6%. <laughs> Just giving myself clicks there. Women in STEM. <laughs> so that's one of the confirmed statistics of how common false allegations of rape are in and amongst prosecuted rape cases. So 0.62%. Yeah. And that's the CPS. Like, that's not some like woke feminist researcher. That's the Crown Prosecution Service. Is it Crown Prosecution? I thought it was Crown Prosecution Service. Is it Criminal Prosecution Service? Oh, it is probably Crown Prosecution Service. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, that's the CPS. And they are not famously the wokerati. No. Who often decide not to prosecute rape claims because they know that a jury won't, won't buy it. So they just mm -hmm. don't. So I guess that kind of highlights the um, the overall lay of the land of of how common false reports of rape and abuse are, which again, it's not that it doesn't happen, but it is very rare. It's not as common as people on the internet and those who are outraged by the fact that Russell Brand has been accused of these charges make it out to be. Yeah. And I don't know if you're going to say this, but so permission to have a little rant. Go on. But like, we don't have this conversation about any other kind of crime, right? No. I'm sure people falsely allege that someone's stolen something from them. Someone's punched them. Some, you know, like there are small amounts of people who are lying to the police about shit, right? Or mm -hmm. they think that somebody did it and they didn't really do it or it was someone else or whatever. Mm -hmm. If someone's like, I was burgled, no one's like, mm, but were you and are you sure it was that person some people actually claim they were burgled to get insurance money no we don't do this with other crimes no we don't like and that's why you know it is a moral panic as you say because it's out of all proportion with mm -hmm. the statistics but it's also just like anyone falsely accused of a crime is definitely like having a life ruining moment mm -hmm. but we don't talk about i don't talk about that we don't talk about the police falsely accusing you know, black men because they look like the same description as other black men of crimes. You know, we don't mm -hmm. talk about that on the same kind of moral panic level. But apparently, you know, if it's rape, then it's kind of fair game to talk about, well, is she lying? It's like, we don't treat victims of other crimes like that at all. And it just makes me want to punch people. <laughs> so, no, you're right. So in, I didn't mention this, but actually in the article, it also says that what is also infrequently talked about is that the rates of false allegations of sexual violence are no higher than those reported in other categories of crimes. Even mm. so, it's fair to say that victims of crimes such as theft or burglary are not so routinely treated with suspicion as are victims of sexual violence. So, That's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah, I don't like it. No. If you hadn't got that vibe from me, I don't know. <laughs> Unnecessary. <laughs> Do you know what? I couldn't quite tell, but um, I got an inkling. <laughs> I got an inkling that you weren't very best pleased with this. Do you get the vibes? The vibes, yeah. <laughs> so I guess the thing that these people on the internet who make this assertion that false allegations are rife, I guess what they fail to understand is the impact that this has, that this narrative has on women who do experience sexual violence and who therefore do want mm -hmm. to bring that to the police. Because I guess what this narrative reinforces is the stereotype of the vindictive women or that women are untruthful when it comes to sex or that women will use sex to their advantage. Again, yeah, it's not to say that that won't happen because I guess obviously, you know, that statistic was found that there were 35 cases of false reports. So it clearly does happen. Mm -hmm. But as you've just highlighted, 
people will lie to get back at people about many things. And I know that some people will say, but yes, being falsely accused of burglary is not as bad as being falsely accused of rape because the stigma of one versus the other is not as bad, which I guess there's, you know, there's um, value in that. But also at the same time, what it can do, I guess, is if a woman has taken the sort of brave step to go to the police and report this, and then they're accused of a false allegation or people treat her as if she's making a false mm -hmm. allegation, I guess that's a re-victimization and that's potentially a re-traumatization of, of something that she's experienced because to not be believed ab about something like that must be, you know, a, a secondary type of trauma on top of the trauma yeah. experienced already in terms of sexual violence. Yeah, lots of women have stories of, of doing all of the right things. They went to the police, they had a rape kit done, which is a really invasive, horrible thing to have done after you've been sexually assaulted. But, you know, it's taking DNA, it's, you know, taking pictures, all these kind of things. And they still end up, even if there is physical evidence, the CPS say they won't prosecute it or the police treat them as if they have to prove it. And then if it goes to court, you're getting cross-examinations from defence lawyers you're often mm. getting your entire sexual history dragged up. The fact that you may have like sexted with this person or you, what kind of underwear you were wearing, that meant that you wanted to have sex. It's like, are you all right, everyone? Like, it's absolutely mad. <laughs> and all of that is because there is a narrative around at any point, a woman could be making a false allegation. So therefore she is under as much scrutiny or even probably more so i think because i guess the burden of proof is on her isn't it yeah and often the perpetrator will say oh it was consensual and the mm -hmm. victim will say it's not and then that's the only thing that mm -hmm. separates the two accounts and then you know oh well she was a very sexual person it's like i could have sex with someone seventy thousand times mm -hmm. and if i say no on the seventy first thousand times or if i'm asleep or drugged on the seventy once thousand times that's not even a thing then that's not sex that's rape that's how it works that's just yeah. like so so there so but yeah lots of women wouldn't go to the police lots of women wouldn't tell anyone because they don't mm. think they'll be believed or they don't even register it as rape until later or they are afraid or that they love the person who mm -hmm. did it to them because that happens quite a lot you're much more mm -hmm. likely to be raped by an intimate partner than you are by a stranger. Mm -hmm. And that's the only kind of outrage you ever get is when someone's dragged off the street. That's like real rape. Do you know what I mean? Like that's mm -hmm. the one that you can actually get angry about. If you if someone mm -hmm. you consented to have sex with before rapes you, it's much more. Yeah, and I think that kind of attitude still exists because um, you mentioned it in the, the last podcast we did that men were still legally allowed to rape their wives up until was it like the late early 90s or something like that i think it was 1994 it was just that in law it wasn't it wasn't possible for a man to rape yeah. his wife it wasn't like a thing that could happen i mean wives weren't able to testify against their husbands i don't know when that stopped but certainly until the mid 20th century so you just marry yeah. the woman you rape then you're fine i can feel the rage um <sighs> but i guess yeah so everything that we've discussed all of this undermines um, victims' choices to pursue justice because if the police and the and society and the courts and everyone involved is just going to automatically assume, not automatically assume, and uh, you know, I just want to take a moment and just reflect on the fact that there are definitely people who work in the criminal justice system, in the police, for the, for the courts, who do want to 
seek support okay you know well, of course yeah 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 that's yeah the conversation that we're having is definitely in generalities it's about systems not about individuals right yeah yeah but i guess the fact of the matter is that this type of narrative around false allegations means that police uh, court systems are sort of more likely to think about false allegations or record something as a false allegation which just puts mm-hmm. victims off going to the police which is one of the for me aside from the actual sexual violence occurring is just such a huge injustice for victims of sexual violence yeah it's just awful i think yeah it is it is a sort of re-traumatization to do it but it's also you know the fact that our system is a carceral system so there's basically either we find the person guilty definitely guilty and they go to prison or they are legally not guilty but what we talk about you know innocent till proven guilty Actually, you're proven not guilty. Mm. You're not proven innocent. Because because we have a carceral system where the consequence is that you go to jail, it has to be absolutely sure. And it is very hard to prove with, with absolute certainty that someone's been raped. So, you know, it's like, oh, well, I can, if I do this and I go through all of that and he's found not guilty, then I've gone through all of that for nothing. And I'm going to be looked at as a liar, you know? Yeah, no, because you're right, because there is a misconception that if somebody is found not guilty of committing an act of sexual violence, then it must be in, must mean that the person who made the accusation is lying, whereas actually that's not true. It just means that the jury were unable to find a definitive vote of guilty because there wasn't enough evidence to say that they were guilty beyond a reasonable doubt, which is a big difference to somebody therefore then lied about what they have accused the person of. I'm not saying that everyone, by the way, who's found not guilty has done the crime. I'm just saying that it's more complicated than that. Yeah, yeah, no, but but that brings us into, you know, well, what about men who are accused? Because one of the big discussions around false allegations is that it does ruin men's lives. And very recently, Kevin Spacey was found not guilty of the, was it nine counts of sexual mm-hmm. assault? Was it nine different men? That were brought against him? Or it was, it was a, like, several different men, wasn't it? Yeah. And he's been found not guilty of mm-hmm. all those, which... Again, maybe because he's not actually guilty and he didn't do the things that those men said he mm-hmm. did. But what that also means is that that they just couldn't prove it beyond a reasonable doubt. And like some of the jury were fans of him as well. Oh, were they? they definitely, like a few of them, like waited to meet him <sighs> afterwards. No, I uh, I didn't see that. That seems like it shouldn't have been allowed to happen. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that wasn't an unbiased jury then. Okay. So that brings me to um, the next segment of this episode where I'm going to send you a Instagram reel by Cheer Up Love. Have you heard of Cheer Up Love? I have, yes. Great account. In the wake of all this Russell Brand, uh, all the Russell Brand allegations, she made a reel, uh, which I'm going to send to you to just mm-hmm. have a look at. To tell, the, tell the listeners what I'm sending you. Yeah, we'll link it in the show notes as well. Okay, so I'm going to watch this clip and I'm going to tell you what happened. 
So the clip is of a woman walking along and the heading is false allegations ruin men's lives. And then there is a kind of montage of different men who have been accused of sexual violence or domestic violence or sexual harassment like Louis C.K. living their best lives. Like, for example, Johnny Depp getting a standing ovation when he went to Cannes this year or Mason Greenwood obviously has lost his place in United but he's just been sold to another team like he can still play football or even people whose allegations really weren't false like Louis CK or Cristiano Ronaldo making like a million billion pounds so yeah so Cristiano Ronaldo has actually been named Forbes's list of the highest world's paid athletes uh, so he's number one with a grand total of 136 million dollars and mm-hmm. for anyone who doesn't know, because actually they may not be aware, Cristiano Ronaldo had an allegation of rape brought against him by a woman who uh, he says he had consensual sex in a Las Vegas hotel in 2009. And she states otherwise. And actually, there was a, a settlement outside of court. I didn't know that. Did you not know that? No, I knew that there was allegation. But... Okay, so yeah, so in a in a BBC article, the woman sort of, reportedly reached an out-of-court settlement with the star, Cristiano Ronaldo, in 2010, but has been seeking millions more than the $375,000 that she received in the out-of-court settlement. Cool, that's loose change to him, isn't it? Yeah. So this is very interesting. Okay. She sought mm-hmm. further. So she, so she there was the settlement and then she wanted to pursue criminal charges again. But the judge dismissed the evidence that was brought by her lawyer because the lawyer got the evidence in an ill-gotten manner in the sense that he managed to get private and confidential and privileged information in a way that was outside the sort of normal process of obtaining legal documents. So it's not that the evidence against Cristiano Ronaldo was flimsy or not sound, which again, doesn't Mm -hmm. mean that Cristiano Ronaldo didn't do what the woman has accused him of doing. That exists. That's something that's happened. And yet at the same time, the man has accrued $136 million in earnings in 2023. Yeah, it's barely touched him. I mean, you know, I think that it's right that you shouldn't be able to just, you know, steal evidence from people's oh, private course, lives, yeah. you know, and it's and you know, the thing is his lawyers will know how to get things off on a technicality. Um the the problem is if if everyone got rich people justice then the world would be a very different place, you know. If everybody got the kind of representation in court that rich people do, then we'd probably live in a fairer society, but mm-hmm. unfortunately, you know, we don't. Yeah, it's uh, it's just ugh. and and then you know there's like Louis C.K. who definitely admitted to like masturbating in front of female comedians backstage at, at gigs. Mm-hmm. He said he'd done it. Mm-hmm. Like everybody knows he did it, mm-hmm. and he like went away for a few years, and now he's back. Yeah, no, basically doing a victory lap. Yeah, so he's got like um, like really popular stand-up comedy shows being sold out. So people have kind of seemed to have just forgotten the fact that he exposed himself to loads of women and, as you say, masturbated in front of them and are just going about yeah. seeing his shows. And again, so, you know, as a forensic psychologist, I hold, I hold the fact that people who have committed offences deserve the chance to live a, a better life and things like that. But at the same time, absolutely great. I'm also somebody who feels strongly that if something, if somebody has um, had something done to them, they should also have some kind of 
justice in some shape or form. I feel like the mm-hmm. there should be a balance in it. And I guess the the difficulty with these kind of things is that there doesn't seem to be a balance struck, as in like these men have done what they did and there doesn't seem to be the required repercussions for it. And their lives have actually not been ruined at all. Yeah, and I think it's the whole thing of like... I don't know if you've seen the film A Promising Young Woman. No, I haven't, but I really want to. It, I mean, it's very brilliant. It's it's pretty rough, but it's absolutely fucking brilliant. But it, it you know flips on the the head the term a promising young man. You know, men let off you know by judges or you know on college campuses because they you know they're promising young men and they made one mistake or whatever and the mistake was to rape somebody right mm-hmm. but it kind of flips that on the head and like what happens to the woman who's been raped because she was a promising young woman right and we don't get that side of it it's like mm. well if we talked as much about all the women whose lives not necessarily have been ruined but have been dramatically impacted in their mental health has been dramatically impacted by the sexual violence they've experienced if we talked about it proportionately with the amount of men whose lives have been ruined by false allegations we'd be talking about women having like lives ruined by sexual violence a lot more Mm. than we do Mm. and it's almost like it's worse Mm. it's like it's worse to be accused of being a rapist than to be raped and it's like fuck off you're right in in these discussions about false allegations there is very little consideration given to the people who are making the allegations and what they might be going through and what their struggles are you know, to immediately be labeled as vindictive or doing this to get attention or doing this to get revenge or whatever the reasons were that we spoke about just completely undermines the experience that those individuals have gone through. And, you know, a lot of people talk about how long it takes victims of sexual violence to come forward and sort of make their mm-hmm. their allegations but if you think about so firstly all the shit that we've spoken about doesn't really create like a nurturing and caring and safe environment that a woman can feel rest assured <laughs> they're going to be believed for one and two yeah you know you, we, we, we touched briefly on how sometimes people may or may not be fully aware of what happened to them and it might take them some time to process and to come to terms or to think about what happened But then also like just the pure coming to terms, like the processing it, the getting over it, the putting their life back together or or like recovering from the act can take time. And they might really not be in a psychologically, emotionally strong or resilient place to make a allegation straight away. Yeah. And I'd never want to discourage someone from seeking the justice that they feel they need. Mm -hmm. But it's also really hard because you, as a woman and a feminist, you don't want to lie to someone and say, well, go to the police, then they'll be really nice to you and sort it all out. Because they might, you might get a great detective who's, you know, specialises in this stuff and is like, really believes you and is there for you and is really good with your case. Or you might not. And you just, it's just so shit, Mm -hmm. really. But it is the reality. And I guess one of the things I think to, to, to mention just before we wrap up, because I think we've kind of come to the come mm-hmm. to the end, is that I know some people might be sitting there thinking, well, yeah, sure, you know, you've talked about really famous people whose lives haven't been ruined by either false accusations or accusations that have gone to court um, of sexual violence. What about sort of the everyday person? And I guess for one, I think the fact that that kind of story isn't in the news very often, or you don't hear about it very often, unless it's a really famous person, is potentially indicative of the fact of how much this doesn't happen but also i think in the article that i read when 
allegations are made against somebody, they're not named and shamed in the public. Their name isn't put out straight away. I think it has to go through quite a lot of processes before somebody is said to ha have uh, an allegation of sexual violence laid against them do you know what i mean but because but because there's not a whole lot of about this in the in the research or the easily accessible literature that i've looked through it kind of indicates that it's not something that happens to the point where like i said at the beginning the moral panic and the social anxiety fits well, that's it. And every moral panic has, you know, a few cases that you can draw on that did happen. You know, people have a moral panic about trans people and they will choose, you know, three people who felt pressured into, you know, becoming trans. And that's awful. Like, that's awful. Like, no one's saying that's not bad. But it's it's not where the most harm is being done. It is being like spotlighted because mm. people want to take the spotlight off where the harm is because they either find it uncomfortable or they disagree with it philosophically or whatever because we actually you know look at how many women are reporting rapes and the amount that aren't what we realize is that's endemic and what what isn't endemic is false accusations you know that's that's rare and awful rape is effectively decriminalized and incredibly common um, as an experience for women um, and you know some men of course too that's that's in that's endemic so it just isn't proportionate the way that people are so mm -hmm. really really committed to not wanting to believe it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah okay yeah that's that um it's not really um uh, end on a funny quip episode is it it's what we usually do but well <laughs> Um, okay, so because we can't finish on a hilarious quip like we usually do, we're going to finish with me reading a poem. So feel free to turn off right now. But it's something I wrote over the weekend when all of the kind of reactions to the allegations against Russell Brand were swirling around and lots of people were, you know, questioning these women's motives and et cetera, et cetera. And it goes something like this. It's just something that happened. A long time ago now, you live with it. Like a wasp's nest in your roof. Mostly dormant, occasionally troubling. It's not that you've made your peace with it exactly. More that you have your peace and it hasn't taken it away. It is peripheral. And then. The news story, the pub debate, discussions around the kettle in the staff room... Facebook comment sections that you sh know you shouldn't read. And then it's you. They are talking about you. Or they could be. Might as well be. Sometimes you join the debate advocating for a stranger who is really yourself. And sometimes you slink away, trying to pretend you haven't seen the words, heard the devil's advocacy. Like your own body hasn't been on trial. And then your peace dissolves just temporarily. The lump sticks in your throat, the weight drops into your gut, the sour electrical anxiety returns. You are suddenly exhausted. Not so much by the memory itself, but by the sudden piercing clarity that half of the world would rather believe in the myth of one man than hear the truth of a hundred women. You read again, why didn't they speak up sooner? And then you think, this is why.
If you enjoyed today's episode of Manosphere Debunked, please leave us a review and subscribe wherever you listen. You can also send questions, suggestions and thoughts to manosphere-debunked at gmail.com. All of the materials referenced in this podcast are linked in the show notes. I think that was great. music. I was doing the music then. Mm. <laughs> cool. I gathered. I didn't think that that was the um, that that was how the poem ended. Just written. Boop, 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 boop. <laughs>